Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. First day of September. First day of the ACC. The post-expansion ACC with Stanford, Cal, SMU on the way. Now the next question probably turns to who might be on the way out. We at TigerIllustrated.com were on top of that roller coaster ride, the expansion roller coaster ride over the last month, I guess it is. And we will continue to be on top of all developments moving forward. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Its office is located beside the Walmart Neighborhood Market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Okay, been waiting a couple of weeks. Excited for this one. Lucas Glover making an appearance on the podcast. Great stuff. Here we go. Enjoy. All right, joined by Lucas Glover, the frequently requested podcast guest. Man, it is an honor that you're appearing here. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I uh, appreciate it also. Thanks for having me. Yes, f- uh, full disclosure here. My plan this morning was to wake up as usual about 5.30, 6, get a little work done, and then spend a couple of hours doing some homework on Lucas Glover because mm-hmm. I like to be, you know, reasonably prepared. Um, then at about 7.15, everything turned upside down because I got a text saying the ACC was voting to – Expand. So it's already been a long day as I record this here at 10.01 a.m. So if there's any – I'm going to play dumb on some things probably, I guess is what I'm saying, so I apologize. Um, no problem. I'm, uh, I'm good at that too, so it shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't be a problem. Part of my research, though, I was able to do and go back and watch your interview with Pat McAfee. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Like – First of all, I'm not wearing a wife beater as I record this. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, I'm still trying to figure out how they're going to uh, rein him in on ESPN when they uh, get that show going. I guess he's only on for 
one hour with them and then two hours syndicated or something like that. So he can, he's going to have to go back and forth from regular Pat to censored Pat, which could be, uh, could be good, good entertainment in itself. The way he closed with you, like, I'm like, I immediately I'm like, Oh boy. Because he goes, all right, where, where, where'd you, where'd you grow up? Lucas Greenville. Oh, Oh, you're a, you're a South Carolina fan. You're a big, big Cox fan. And you're like, uh, no, no Cox, no Cox, no Cox. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, I, that was comedy gold. And I don't think it was, uh, I don't think it was pur- purposeful. Like, uh, like he can do sometimes, but, uh, yeah, I grew up, uh, uh, bleeding orange. So anything, uh, anything garnet and black's a little bit offensive, uh, but uh, you know, it's half the half the state, or or however it works out. But uh, yeah, family family ties to Clemson from way back, and grew up going to all the games and pulling hard, and uh, probably way too invested still. It uh, um, outcomes of games and various sports can determine my mood, which isn't uh, isn't okay for an almost forty four <laughs> year old. But that's uh, that's the way it is. I will say that McAfee, he has a way with words that just makes me crack up. He was describing mm-hmm. your your uh, your your sweaty pants, which are, I guess, quite the object now, and he was calling them treasonous. Yes, <laughs> I just couldn't yes. stop laughing at that description. Yes. He uh, he is a he's an intelligent guy and definitely has uh, has a way with words, and and he's turned that into a very lucrative. Um, a very lucrative thing for him and 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 his crew there, but yeah, the pants uh, the pants took a personality of their own. I, uh, <laughs> I think it's the only the only thing that I've worn in the last seven weeks that I saved. I'm gonna wash them <laughs> and auction them off somewhere as the the, uh, the the swamp ass pants. I guess would be the the right words there. I guess. The S, the S is in the in the dirty word. I can put you know tiger paws there, and, and some Clemson fan might want them, but I'll I'll wash them first. I promise. <laughs> I, I guess I'd be curious. I mean, obviously the nation notices, but at what point did you start to think, oh boy? I mean, at what point do you notice? Your caddy tell you, or like how does that work in the moment? Yeah, it's uh, it's not really a. Uh, Especially, well, you know, going into to Memphis and even Atlanta that this time of year that that it's going to be a it's going to be a challenge no matter what. Um, and there, you know, at at some point, it's just you just give up. There's just nothing you can do and just own it. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's everybody was everybody was in the same boat. It was just a matter of uh, who got shown who got shown the most and focused on the most. And I guess when you're in contention, you're on there a bunch, but, uh, you know, like I told, uh, like I told Matt, I, or, um, uh, Pat, I, uh, I just, just leaning into it, embracing it and, uh, just laughing along with it. Cause that's all you can do. I, I saw you, you shared on hit on Pat's show that you would be wholly in favor of going to shorts for a certain period of the year. You expand oh, on yeah. that. Absolutely. Um, I, yeah, they, they lifted the all pants rule for practice two or three years ago. And, um, yeah, I mean, from, uh, I think a good barometer would be what they do for the caddies with the, the, the caddy bibs, 
uh, if the heat index is over uh, something, I don't even know the number, I'll say 100 just for conversation. If the heat index is over 100, uh, the caddy bibs are optional for, for, our, for our guys. So I think that could be a good, uh, a good barometer there for, for shorts as well. But, um, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like we're, it's not like we're going to come out there and, in in jams and, um, chef pants or something weird, but I mean, you know, it, 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 it's, it's to the point now where golf's not as buttoned up as it, as it used to be. And, and it's just, I think it's just something we could definitely talk about a little more. I understand the, the professional look and the professional nature of, of it. But I mean, if they're letting us do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, no matter what the temperature, if it's, uh, if it's a scorcher, I don't, I don't see the problem, but, uh, also understand the the professional uh look about it but um you know like i said we're we're probably a little past that here in 2023 but and then there's the you know the other elephant in the room of that lives doing it so that might be another reason they don't but who knows with some time to have sort of decompressed and recharged how do you look back at that those three weeks yeah um there's still a little disappointment um, about the Ryder Cup yeah. going on, so I haven't had I haven't had full time to reflect. It was a, obviously a whirlwind, and um, but uh, we had some people over Wednesday night to to have a little celebration dinner, some friends, and and that was awesome. But uh, you know, the um, I'm just still I haven't had full time to reflect just the whirlwind of travel and then coming back home and getting right back into schedule with, with kids and trying to remember uh, what days softball practice and hockey practice and all the, all the stuff that really matters when, when all that goes on. And, um, but uh, I think as, as, as things slow down uh, getting back into the, into the, the family life, I'll be able to, to really appreciate that, that, that six, eight week run I went on and, you know, for, for that period of time, the, the best golf I've played, um, day in and day out in, in my whole career. Um, so, uh, just, you know, the, the, the trials, the, the, the difficulties and all that, uh, uh, that I'd been going through and had and, and could have again, um, but at the same time, I, I, I overcame it for for a long period of time, which I hadn't done in in, in quite a few years. So um, I got four or five weeks off before I play again, and and I'm I'm just gonna um, make sure to appreciate and be grateful for for that run to know that at at 43, almost 44, and playing with the the guys I play with that I'm that I'm still capable and. Um, I think more than anything, it's just a confidence boost to play a couple times this fall. And then, you know, I got three year exemption and can make my schedule. And, um, and like I said, after the Wyndham there in Greensboro, I get to be home more. Um, and that's that pretty big motivator for me. I had kids a little bit later age and, um, you know, I got 10 and eight right now and they're in the, the throes of youth sports and, 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 uh, uh, that, that stretch I went on for eight weeks will enable me to be home a lot more for, for, for a longer period of time. And, and I'm most excited about that because 
as poorly as I played leading up to that stretch, I was gone an awful lot. And, um, I just, I, I look forward to that. And probably when it's all said and done, that'll probably be the thing I'm most grateful for. Yeah. I probably led with the wrong thing there and asking you about the three weeks, or I guess six to eight weeks and not the most recent thing of learning. You're not on the, on the Ryder cup. Can you, can we, uh, when, ha, when did you find out? How did you find out? And, and we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Zach called me uh, Monday morning. Uh, it was about 9 a.m. local here on the East Coast. And uh, I knew immediately uh, just by his tone. And, uh, um, and I'd also known from talking to some other captains that are friends and been friends over the years that that's the, the hardest thing for a captain because um, for the most part, they're uh, our peers also. And Zach. Zach was a friend long before he was the captain of the Ryder cup. And I didn't want to make it any harder on him than, than it, than it, than it already was and and was going to be. Um, so I just said, Hey man, I understand and I get it. And I wish you guys the best. Um, and the disappointment, uh, is real. Um, but I also understand that, uh, there's a lot that goes into those picks and the pairings that they foresee and, uh, all that stuff. Um, do I feel like, uh, I would have been a good, good addition to the team? Absolutely. But also understand that the guys played well for upwards of two years and I played well for two months. Um, so I have to, um, I have to take that into consideration as well when I'm thinking about my feelings and, um, kind of taking the high road. And honestly, this is the first, uh, this is the first time I've talked about it. Uh, in public and I'm a, you know, and the, the politically correct part of me, uh, realizes that, you know, I've, I've got to play against these guys, uh, for the foreseeable future. And, um, all those guys in that captain's room and war room, if you will, are, are good, good friends of mine. And for a, for a long, long time. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disparage anything, disparage them in any way or any decisions they made. Cause I know it was hard and, and they have a plan. Um, but that doesn't take away the disappointment, but there's, you know, I've said it for years and years and years, um, playing better takes care of everything. Um, I didn't do that for, um, 22 of the 24 month cycle, but at the same time, um, I understand that, that I was, I was pretty hot and, um, on the course. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I got myself into the conversation and I hadn't been in the conversation for a Ryder cup in 10 years, maybe 12 actually. Um, so disappointed, uh, upset, but also understanding now, you know, four days separating the call from, from when we're talking here today. Um, and, uh, like I said, they're, they're my friends first and then they're my peers second. And, uh, I'll be pulling hard for them because because they are my friends and and some of them very close friends. Um, but uh, you know, I think uh, I think a good show in Chicago or Atlanta uh, might have strengthened my case to where they couldn't leave me off. But I didn't do that, and uh, um, actually stole a quote from the season forecast there on Tiger Illustrated from Ben Franklin. Well, well done is better than well said, hmm. um, and. Uh, um, I used that last week when, when a reporter asked me about it and, and that's, you know, never been a, never been a self promoter, never been a, um, a 
a guy that that that's going to tell you how good I am. I'd rather just show you. And um, uh, I showed it for six, eight weeks instead of two years. So I get it. I understand. It doesn't change the disappointment. Doesn't change my um, my hunger to want to be on a Ryder Cup. I mean, on on paper. It's about the only thing I haven't accomplished in, in my career. A couple President's Cups, but uh, um, similar to Keegan, I've been I've been left off a couple times um, when I was 11th on the list. And um, but uh, you know, I got two years, and ironically, the next one's at Bethpage, where I have some history. So motivation's pretty high right now to uh, to get back in the mix um, in uh, 2025 and uh, at Bethpage. So in the interest of the relationships that you referred to, is it good that we're doing this interview today and not uh, earlier in the week? Yeah, maybe so. But, uh, no, I had, I had a few people call Monday evening and Tuesday when everything went down and, uh, I just declined. Uh, I just, uh, emotions were, were pretty high. Um, just the disappointment and, and I'm not even really going to say angry cause you know, there's, 25 guys that that you could have legitimately put on that team and and nobody nobody could could have a real argument there'd be pros and cons for everybody um so but yeah i just um yeah tuesday tuesday afternoon uh it was it was pretty uh it was pretty pretty tense around the house here so yeah friday interview probably a little better Yeah, a good friend, a friend of mine who has followed you closely over the years <clears throat> said uh, he remembered that when you had some early success, your first couple of years on tour, that you had said uh, your number one goal was to make the, the Ryder Cup. Is that accurate? Is his recollection accurate? Is, is that what you Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think uh, as an athlete, the opportunity to represent your, your country is, is, uh, is, is the the highest honor you can have um whether it be you know golf's just now back in the olympics so that was never in the front of my mind um and then as as it when it came back i I realized i was probably a little a little too old for that to be a goal with how how stacked the 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 u.s team is with these young players but um yeah Ryder cup and then the president's cup every other year and um, I, I just think that's a, the, the highest honor as an athlete you can have is to, to wear your colors and wear your country on your, on your hat and on your shirt. And, um, and as an individual game, uh, as golf is, to, to come together for a common goal, such as you know playing for a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup or, or, or an Olympic medal, um, outside of golf in, in that regard is, is the highest honor. I, I really do believe that. And, um, and it's fun too, cause you get to, you get to get in the, into some conversations and into some, uh, know the right term you get, you get to learn a lot more about the guys you compete against every week. And I always found myself, um, better off as a player after those president's cups. Cause, uh, I got to watch Tiger Woods up close. I got to watch Steve Stricker up close. I got to watch, um, Phil Mickelson up close. I got to watch guys, uh, up close that, that are better than me and, and saw how they handled things, saw how they broke down certain things and, and, and what made them tick a little bit more than, than you would just playing with them at a regular event. Um, so, 
obviously tons of fun, but also an opportunity to learn and improve. Uh, but yeah, your, your friends dead on that was, that's always been a goal of mine and, and still is. And, um, um, I think given, uh, the age thing and, um, I'll, similar to what Keegan said the other day, probably gonna have to play my way on because, um, getting picked is harder and harder with uh, how many great players there are. I'm not sure there's a better description of the just vicious nature of playing golf than your description of what turned for you. And it was basically an entirely, you know, not, not an adjustment to your putting stroke. It was basically you had to trash everything you had learned before and learn a new motor skill because, as you said, so your brain had no scar tissue. You had to rewire yep. your brain. And, and as I'm listening to that, I'm like, I'm really glad I stopped playing golf uh, several, <laughs> several years ago because that is it, man. Like, can we can we dig into that? Uh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, but it but does digging into it and talking about it? Are you kind of reluctant to do that because of what we're talking about? You don't want to jinx it or whatever. Is that is it a tricky thing? That way. No, I, th- I think, uh, and you know, that's, it's, a it's kind of like, you know, the weekend warrior golfers, they don't like to, they don't like to say the S word in golf, which is shank. <laughs> well, um, a lot of people don't like that short Y word either, which is yips, yep. but, um, it's real. I mean, I, I have it, I had it, I have it. I know guys that have chipping yips that play the tour. I know guys that, um, have, have had the driver yips and fought that and beat it and came back to the tour. And, um, I know guys that didn't beat it and it took, it knocked them off the tour different and everybody's fighting something. But for me, um, working with Jason Kuhn, uh, who I've referenced a lot the last few months, Navy SEAL. And, and he was like, Hey man, who cares if you talk about it? It's, it's, it's a thing. It's not something you can run from. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was literally over a, over a short putt. I would at times, um, have zero feeling in my hands and Jason, the way he described it, instead of it being a mental issue, it's actually a central nervous system issue. Your body is trying to protect you from something and you have involuntary, um, muscle spasms. And I'd never had it explained to me that way. And he was a baseball player and, you know, you can do some internet sleuthing, but he still has the record for most wild pitches in a game when he was, when he was pitching in the late nineties, early two thousands. And he was a stud closer, um, and was prepared to get drafted. And, that knocked him out of baseball, uh, the, the pitching yips. And he kind of made his name working with some pitchers. And, uh, my manager got, got to know him and said, I think this guy can help you with what you're fighting. And he dabbled with some other golfers before, but nothing, nothing as drastic as I had. And, and he just took me through his experiences and how he eventually developed a way to attack it instead of running from it. And, um, and his background with baseball and then going into the seals was very, uh, refreshing and eye opening to me because he basically told me and proved to me that 
I was not mentally weak, that I was actually the complete opposite to be doing what I was doing for nine or 10 years at a still a pretty high level fighting what I was fighting, that I was probably as mentally tough as anybody to, to, to go in there and do it day in and day out and, and try to deal with it. What I didn't realize until working with him was that I was not going to beat it by practicing. In fact, it was probably hurting me to practice more, but I was, you know, I'm an athlete, I'm stubborn and I think I can out practice anything. And, uh, if there's anybody that's made more three footers on the putting green than me in the last 10 years, I need to meet them because I can assure you nobody has, but it didn't matter. Um, once I got in the arena, uh, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't beat it with what I was doing. So I was still using the short putter when Jason and I started and I was starting to see some progress and then I'd have a relapse and then I'd start to see some progress. And then, um, Brad Faxon, who's, um, uh, a great friend and, and I'd been working with him on my putting and he basically urged me to try the long putter, uh, just to see what would happen. And, um, talking to Jason about it, talking to Brad about it, talking to some other people about it. And it was more of what, what I said and what you alluded to is that I needed just basically a, a complete new motor skill that had nothing to do with how I'd ever done it in the past. And, um, a lot of people have asked would, would Jason's methods have worked if I hadn't changed putters? And my answer to that is yes, but it would have taken longer. Um, but when I got the long putter on top of what Jason and I had already laid as a foundation and then built on that, um, you know, I even had some yippy stuff go on with the long putter the first few weeks. And then, uh, with my work with Jason and then learning my tendencies with the long putter, I was able to overcome it. And that's right. That right at the time I went on that run starting at uh, rocket mortgage in Detroit. And, um, you know, I'm still going to miss some putts there. Nobody's perfect. And, uh, but realizing that I'm, that I'm just human versus, um, fighting a, an injury such as, you know, the yips and, um, very eye opening. And also why I've been more open to, to just talk about it. Cause if you don't talk about it and if you don't put it out there, how are you going to fight it? How are you going to attack it? And, um, it's been so cool hearing people, not just golfers, but just people that fight stuff and, and that are now more open to talk about it. And, you know, if I help one person down the road that can see what I went through and then overcame it, if I can help that one person, then I'm, I'm helping, I'm helping people too. And that's been very cool to hear and cool to listen to some people that, um, whether it be a basketball player with free throws or, um, you know, soccer players go through it with penalty kicks. I mean, it's it, in sport, it's so prevalent to have these mental blocks or physical blocks and, um, to have somebody guide me down the path to, to overcome it and realizing that it's actually not mental, uh, and that to, to go from where I was to where I am just proves that, 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 that I'm mentally strong. And if that message can get out to other people, um, uh, it's okay to talk about it. You got to attack it. You can't run from it. Um, and again, it's not just the yips, it's anything with, uh, with 
brain or mental or um, even just physical blocks of, of things you can and can't do. So previous to this new way of addressing it and acknowledging it, did you, like when you were asked about it by, say, a media member or somebody else, would mm-hmm. you say, oh, I don't I don't want to talk about it? Or how, how would you, how different was your sort of response to it then at, in that mode of thinking? Well, honestly, I, it was so bad at times that, uh, and I played so poorly for, for long stretches that I didn't have to answer any questions about it because I wasn't playing well enough. Right. And I'm, that's not, that's me not trying to avoid your question, but, um, but you know, if you're not, if you're not on the leaderboard, nobody's going to talk to you. And so I didn't have to talk about it that much, but you know, four years ago, 2019, I made, I made the tour championship, um, fighting this because I hit the ball that year, probably as well as I'd ever hit it. So I could almost, I couldn't screw it up because I was so close to the hole a bunch, but, um, but last hole of the 2019 tour championship, playing with Dustin Johnson, where it did not matter one bit what I made on the last hole at Eastlake, I four putted. And for no reason other than I just, I couldn't get in the hole. And, um, so I think, I think that's when people started realizing how bad it was. And, um, and after Greensboro and after Memphis, I, I told a couple of stories about, um, AT&T Pebble Beach one year and, 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 and at Bay Hill one year had legitimate uh, panic attacks like um, heart racing, short of breath, couldn't feel my hands and I'm trying to trying to hit a hit a round object with a flat face of a putter from a foot and a half and and honestly did not know how I was going to do it and um, so and I don't think people realized how bad it was or how bad it can be for, for people that are going through that. Um, but back to your question, I didn't have to talk about it much cause I wasn't, I wasn't on the leaderboard very much. Um, then all of a sudden, you know, play good for that stretch and start making putts. And now the, the elephant in the room is, is now, uh, available to talk about. And that's probably why it came out. Um, as much as it did is just from, from that stretch of golf we've been talking about and, and being, being on the leaderboard a bunch and being asked a bunch of questions. And then all of a sudden, Hey, why are you playing so good? Oh, I'm making, making putts and I'm not afraid to tap the ball in anymore. And it was all three short putts, three feet and in three to five feet and in. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in 2019, uh, I putted everything from inside six feet with my eyes closed. Um, which is a band-aid for people with the yips. Um, if you, if you're not looking at the ball, your body and your hands and your brain doesn't know where impact is. So you don't flinch at it. Well, eventually that eventually I out, uh, kind of outran that too. And it didn't work anymore. And then, so I went to a type of putter called the arm lock. And if you, if you watch uh, like what Matt Kuchar did for years where the, the putter's a little bit longer and it rests on your left arm, um, uh, he does it on his right arm now, believe it or not, which is, um, which is amazing that he puts the way he does, having gone from uh, one arm to the other. But um, So I did that for a while and had a pretty good run with that. I, I, I won the John Deere in 21 doing that. Um, 
but again, it was mainly because of my ball striking. I, I hit it so close. I, 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 I didn't have a choice, but to make some, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was mostly short putts and, uh, or o- only short putts. Um, but the, the toll it took on my entire game, you know, if I had a 20 footer, I wouldn't be as aggressive as, as, as say, a a player not fighting the yips because I was scared to roll it a foot by or two feet by and, and miss the next one. So all of a sudden I'm, I'm not aggressive and I'm, 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 I'm just kind of easing it up to the hole and not, not even trying to make them really. I'm just trying not to three putt from, from 20 feet. And, and that's no way to be as a, as a, as a tour player. Um, and as, as we've seen over the last few, few months, you know, my, my putting stats have increased because now I'm not as, freaked out about rolling it by two or three feet and, and missing it coming back. And that's when all of a sudden the rest of your game, uh, gets easier. Now you're not worried about hitting it perfect every time or worried about, you know, trying to chip in instead of chipping it to two feet and worried about missing them. So just the, the, the mental ease that, that it gave me and has given me, um, has just has eased things and eased things up for my, for my whole game, you know, all the way back to the tee box. This lasted nine or 10 years, you said? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, uh, it was 2012 at, uh, at colonial in Fort worth. I four putted the fifth green, um, and, and had never had these issues like this before. Had I missed short putts? Sure. Who hadn't? But, uh, four putted the fifth green there at colonial. And at that point I started thinking, I said that I've never had that feeling before. And, uh, yeah, I've been, yeah, fought it, fought it ever since. And like I said, it would go in at the beginning, it would go in spurts when it, like when it mattered, I would, I would really kind of freak out or, or my body would freak out. And then, um, as time went on and as, it, as, as that got worse and worse, it, it became a daily thing. Like where walking up on a green, I would walking up on a green, I would, I would be, I would be terrified of, is it going to happen? Or am I going to have one of those episodes or, um, so yeah, I fought it nine, 10 years. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's still there. I just have, I just have ways and, 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 and tools as, as Jason Kuhn would say, I got tools in my toolbox to, to, to attack it and, and not let it affect me. So the colonial, the four putt and the colonial, that was the first time you actually felt the, the lack of feeling in your hands that time. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, well, yeah, I remember walking off that green going that it was almost like it wasn't me. You know, I was like that, that did not feel like the same person that, that putted on the fourth green 25 minutes ago. Um, and then it was gone, but you know, that night in the hotel room and the next day I'm thinking, why, why did that happen? And then of course you're, you're, you start, you know, freaking out going, all right, how do I make sure that doesn't happen again? And do I need to change this? Do I need a new putter? Do I need to change my grip? Do I need to, and all of those things now looking back on it was the absolute worst thing you can do. Cause then you're trying to teach yourself something new that probably doesn't need to be fixed. It's just, it's more of, uh, and again, I didn't know this then. Um, it didn't matter what putter, it didn't matter what grip, it didn't matter any of that. All that mattered was that, uh, that I was, uh, I was scared for whatever reason. And then, 
but try to try to change, try to practice, and all of those things made it worse because then you're introducing new stuff that that you've never done or never tried or never put in competition and and that that just that just multiplies 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 and and makes it worse and worse and worse this has to be so much more prevalent and widespread than that than people maybe think and i think that's what you were getting at earlier and it's not necessarily just in golf but whether somebody's going to stand up and speak to a big group or like a musician Mm -hmm. who's playing in front of a larger crowd than he or she is used to or whatever the physiological Mm -hmm. effects of of that sort of panic um has to be experienced by a ton of people out there 100 percent, 100 percent. there's no question and you know i'm um huge sports fan obviously and and you can i can see it now with with certain people whether it be golfers or a guy shooting a free throw or a field goal kicker or and um yeah same thing in 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 business you know public speaking or addressing uh your team in, in, a, in a boardroom or any of those things um yeah it's it, it is very prevalent and that's i don't think i'd I don't think I've verbalized it very well earlier, but if, if people in any walk of life can see that it is beatable, can see that there is a way to attack it and to, to get over it, um, that you don't have to go through life like that, then, um, you know, if, if there's one junior golfer that, that my story helps, then I'll, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm happy. And because it is beatable, it is, uh, able to be, um, pushed down and, and, and beaten. Um, but yeah, I've had, I, uh, I can't tell you how many people have called asking for, um, Jason's phone number and asking, um, asking these questions. I mean, my peers and some top 100 players in the world rankings of golf, just fighting something similar or a certain part of their game. And, um, yeah, I know Jason, he's, he's drinking from a fire hose right now because his story's out there now and, um, how he, how he went about it and how he's helped people. And, um, I think he's probably as busy as anybody on the planet at the moment in a good way. Upstate foodies want to take a moment to talk to you about our favorite taco spot, Willie Taco. Five locations across the upstate. This award-winning team has been serving up fresh taco fusion for a solid decade now. The chefs at Willie Taco utilize the freshest, most creative, and sometimes unexpected ingredients in their kitchens. Come see why Southern Living, Garden and Gun, and Food and Wine Magazine are raving about Willie Taco and their signature offerings, such as their Southern Tide, Crispy Avocado, Nashville Hot Chicken Tacos, literally flavors you will not find anywhere else, folks. And don't forget about the cocktails, super fresh margaritas, ice cold cerveza, and over 80 tequilas served up daily from behind the bar. So don't wait, folks. Your Willie Taco Familia is ready to serve you up their twist on funky fresh fusion. It's the Willie way. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate. 
state law, Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experienced team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. The live thing is so freaking complicated. Uh, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you have commented on I haven't, I haven't researched that. I'm just curious to get your general take on where things stand now um, after we've gone from from the PGA sort of considering them a uh, enemy to the world to then linking up with them. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if yeah. I'm – anyway, I'm just curious. Yeah, um, I, yeah it was kind of the – the, the us against them there for a long time. And then this new proposal came about, I think, uh, first of July, I think we were in Canada for the Canadian open. And so I think that was June or July. I don't remember, but, um, yeah, the original proposal, um, sounded crazy. And, and now I think some of that's been reeled back in. And, um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly what I know. Nothing. And I don't think anybody does. I don't think uh, I don't think anybody has any answers right now what 2024 is going to look like um, in the landscape of golf. I don't. Uh, I, I just. I don't know. We haven't been. We've been told what the latest is, and it's nothing. And that's that's being completely honest. I mean, the the, the brass, the tour brass was out a lot the last couple of months, and they're getting bombarded with questions and and. They, they don't they don't have any answers yet either so i think they're trying to hash all that out and figure out what's what and who's who and who's going to be where and um it's unfortunate that we're in this position um i think some of it could have been avoided with just being more open-minded a couple of years ago um but now i think uh i think we're in a spot where everybody's going to have to make some concessions they don't want to make um but at the end of the day, the tour couldn't um, sustain uh, the business model that they had put in place with these elevated uh, signature events, whatever they want to call them. Um, you can't go to sponsors and asking them for a 12 to $13 million increase when they're not seeing that much of a return. It doesn't make much sense. So, uh, And then on top of that, the the court costs and litigation and things of that nature, it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't feasible, um, monetarily for the tour to keep going down that road. So it was either going to be, a some sort of private equity money or, um, what came out to be this Saudi money. Um, so I just, uh, it's unfortunate we're in this spot. It's unfortunate that so many, so many, people and players have been banned or suspended and and it's just a lot of people got a bad taste in their mouth about the way things were handled and are being handled and and i'm in that camp i just i think a lot of this could have been avoided with with a little more open-minded and a little better leadership originally but uh 
we're here, we're here. So I just, uh, I don't know what, it, I don't know what it's going to look like. And, and I don't know that anybody can, can say any different right now today on, um, the first of September here. I just, I don't think anybody knows anything. What would that open-mindedness a couple of years ago look like to you? Just have a, just have a conversation. Just, just the tour, the tour could have had a conversation with, with live or with their money backers or whoever, you know, that, that wanted to talk and try to make this, uh, make this an alliance instead of a competition. Um, and it, even if, even if it wasn't possible, at least, at least there would have been some understanding of, well, um, we're going to do this. And if players leave, we're going to ban them or, well, all right, well, let's try not to have that. Ha- I don't know. I mean, I, I just think conversations could have been had and I'm, I'm, I have it on pretty good authority that they tried. Um, and I just, I don't see how, um, you know, almost two years later, uh, it just seems like those, those fences are going to be hard to mend, um, without a lot of, a lot of give from both parties. Did you say that last week you used the Ben Franklin quote that you saw in Tiger Illustrated during your press conference? Yeah, on the season forecast there. Well done is better than well said. And uh, I knew I was going to get some Ryder Cup questions um, after I played there in Atlanta. So I stole uh, – yeah, I'd read that this that morning, and I said, you know what, I like that. That's kind of applicable right now. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I used it with Rex Hoggard from Golf Channel, and he, of course – laughed and he said i wouldn't expect anything less from you i, I, I did cite uh tiger illustrated he'd already he'd, well he'd already turned off the recorder um, <laughs> sure you did so, i'm just yeah, kidding so i'm just kidding it, yeah, yeah so it, it didn't it didn't make it in the i don't think it made it in the article but i don't think golf i don't think they were looking to uh promote any other websites so I was talking with uh, Mark Schleyball of ESPN, a mm-hmm. good friend of mine, who he said he's he's mm-hmm. uh, you you and he have, um, have have spoken before, and I was telling him about your presence and uh, longtime subscriber to Tiger Illustrated, and he was saying mm-hmm. that he knows some other golfers, I think mainly UGA guys, who are all over their websites over there and who just can't mm-hmm. get enough. It is a fascinating topic, um, I guess, broadly, but here uh, sort of specific to our situation. I'm just like continually flattered and humbled and just kind of amazed that that you're just hanging out, <laughs> reading what we have to write and, and, and popping in on the board from time to time. Yeah, I, I, uh, I like I said a minute ago, I'm, I'm probably a little bit too invested uh, in in my my alma mater sports, but, uh, I love it. And, um, I, yeah, I can't get enough. I like, uh, I, I like, I like following it. I like keeping up with it. I like, uh, uh you know, the different perspectives and the, the, the information and, you know, information, uh, we, you know, didn't have access to it growing up like we do now because mm-hmm. of, because of the internet and, and, and sites like y'all's and, um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, probably on there a little too much, but uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's fun and and I like I like keeping up. When did you start subscribing to the website? I believe it was right after I graduated, so probably oh two oh three something like that. So I think I'm twenty, 20 years in. <laughs> or so you, you predate me by five years, man. 
I know. I know. I, uh, I think I'm, I think I got, I think I got Paul by a few years too. Has <laughs> um, there, I mean, I'm, sometimes I write some things that, you know, might not go over well. Sometimes I pick against mm-hmm. Clemson every now and then. Has there, have there ever been a, has there ever been a time where you're like, God, that Larry, that freaking idiot. Uh, mm. <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I'm, I'm old enough to understand people have opinions and perspectives and, uh, you know, that's, you, you don't always have to agree, but you have to, uh, you have to respect other people's, other people's opinions and line of thinking. And, you know, I feel like, uh, if more people did that, we wouldn't be so mad at everybody else like we are as a society, but, uh, that's where we are. That's a great point. How often would you say a day do you frequent? the website and message board um i check it every morning i'm usually up before the 710 to 715 drop so but uh <laughs> i'm on there i'm on there a good bit i like uh i keep up especially um i don't read a lot i don't read a lot of the the, the board during the season just because it can get so volatile but uh I, uh, I mean, I'm on there, I'd say an average hour and a half a day, probably total. Uh, and what is, what is it like during a game for you? Oh, I'm a wreck. Um, a complete wreck. Like, um, I'm I'm better than I used to be. I I threw a remote through a TV one time (laughs) around, had to be 07 or 08 we had a phantom holding call in atlanta oh boy thomas austin that's it thomas austin cost us the game and i just redone a tv room and uh, had back when flat screens had just come out (laughs) and those remotes that looked like you could launch the space shuttle from and i i threw it right through the middle of the tv when they showed the replay and he was literally holding air (laughs) so but now i kind of put all remotes aside and uh, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit calmer. Um, but, uh, no, I, 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 I get into it. I'm uh, nervous and tense and, um, I love it, but, uh, I'll be, a, I'll be a wreck starting about six thirty Monday evening. <laughs> I was going to ask and, you, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. And, well, I'm a nervous, I'm a nervous eater too. So most people, most people lose weight in the off season. I seem to gain it because of all the football I watch, but, uh, uh, no, it's, it's fun. I, I just, I love it. And I love my team. I love my school and, um, any sport I'll watch, I'll watch Clemson play anything. And, um, but you know, football's king. And, um, my wife's a huge NFL fan growing up in new England. So she, the, the, the house rule is I get Saturday and, and she gets Sunday. So, I've watched a lot of Patriots games over the 11 years, 12 years we've been together, and she's watched a lot of Clemson games. What I love about watching a game, especially in person, is I I, I come at it from a more clinical perspective just because of my job. As we're talking about performing and having the weight of the world on your shoulders, all this pressure, I love trying to watch – Dabo during crucial moments and, and how he's managing a situation and I mean there have been so many of course over the years mm-hmm. uh, during his his brilliant run but the one that stands out to me most recently is the Syracuse game mm-hmm. last year 
when he made the decision to pull DJ, obviously mm-hmm. the, the, the right call because DJ was struggling. But it's so much more than that when you're the head coach. Mm-hmm. You have to mm-hmm. say the right thing to DJ mm-hmm. to keep him, you know, to keep his head in it. You have to say the right thing to Cade. Um, you're managing personalities. Um, then you're having to manage your own decisions on, oh, do we just turn Cade loose here as we're trying to come back from 14 points down? Or do I rely on the running game so I can settle him down and maybe we can get some stops? I just came away from that game going, man, this is this is a big part of why this, these guys are so elite and get paid the big bucks is how they manage a game. But I'm guessing from your perspective, you're so much of a wreck during, you know, while following your alma mater that you're more, you're, you're less, uh, less clinical and less trying to dissect those parts of the game and just more just following the ebbs and flows of the game. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I have, you know, tremendous amount of respect for, for Dabo and have gotten to know him a little bit over the years. Um, but what what's so refreshing to me about him is how accountable he is of himself. And if he makes the wrong decision, he he owns it. And if he makes the right one, he gives praise to everyone else. And I think he, I think his coaching style and the way he goes about his business daily um, is, it's just so filled with passion. And he, I'm just so impressed with how real of a person and coach he is. Uh, People ask me all the time if I know him. I say, yeah, I know him a little bit. They say, well, how is he off the field? I go, exactly the same as he is on the field. They go, what do you mean? I said, well, he talks to me about my golf like he talks to reporters about his football team. He's full of excitement. He's invested. And he's just so upbeat, positive, passionate. And it's just so refreshing that the same person you see on TV, he's like that um, on the phone or in a golf cart or or wherever he is. Um, but what he's built at Clemson and what he's built for us, the fans is something that we can all be very, very proud of because he has done it his way. And by all accounts, the right way. And you see these kids, he turns out that don't make it in the pros and they seem to be for the most part, well on their way to being men. And I think that is his ultimate vision um, as a coach, as a leader, as a, a you know a father figure in some cases. Um, but the way he handles those situations you alluded to, um, it's always interesting. Like if there's a big kick coming up and the other coach calls a timeout, well, Dabo's smiling and slapping BT on the helmet and trying to get him to laugh and loosen him up. Whereas if it's not a big moment and it's a teachable moment, he's full of fire. And the way he manages situations to your point is, is, is masterful. But if he picks wrong or chooses wrong, um, or makes the wrong decision, I, I think it's just so refreshing the way he'll own it. 
And if it turns out to be the best thing, well, he's given the player the credit or given the coordinator the credit. And I think that's just so cool of, of and a, a pretty awesome sign of a leader that he wants his, he wants to have his arms around his, his, his people and wants them to reap the benefits of, of things he's built. And if, and if not, he's going to take the, he's going to take it and let them beat on him for it instead of those players or those people. You won the U.S. Open in 09, and then you were at the top of the hill with Dabo for a game that fall, right? Was it the Florida State game? It was. It was. I got to do uh, – I, I had said in an interview at some point that um, what was my biggest dream in sports, and I said, well, um, it doesn't have to do with golf. And so they said, well, what is it? And I said, well, I grew up a Clemson fan, and – um, my, my grandfather ran down the hill, not when it was the hill, but, uh, when they had to come down from Fike Fieldhouse where they got dressed and they just kind of walked down the hill because that was the only way to get the stadium in 1948. Um, and then I had an uncle there for the national championship team in, in 81. And I think I went to, uh, every home game till I was about 16 or 17. And then golf started getting in the way. And I just thought that was the the coolest thing and I'd love to do it. And I don't know if Dabo read it or word got to him or whatever, but he, uh, he gave me a ring and, and said, uh, I'd like for you to, to lead the team onto the field, Florida state. And I, I almost fell over. Mm-hmm. I was, I was just so, um, I was so impressed. Number one, that he invited me and number two, that I was going to get to fulfill a dream because I wasn't a football player and never even thought I'd be able to do that. But, uh, um and we uh um yeah that was pretty awesome moment riding that bus around and and getting out with him and um i I told him uh on the top of the hill and he probably couldn't hear me because of the crowd but i thought i'd i thought i'd really you know pumped him up i said that 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 bobby bowden over there he puts his britches on just like you one (laughs) one leg at a time and you know he probably didn't hear me but uh, i said it anyway that was my motivational speech to to dabble at the top of the hill (laughs) the interesting thing thinking about thinking back to that snapshot is at that time there weren't a whole lot of people who believed really in Dabo Sweeney in terms of, okay, this is the guy who's going to get Clemson back to like mm-hmm. national prominence. But the thing, I think the most legitimate, the, the biggest reason for belief at that point was the connection that he made with uh, the, the bridges he rebuilt, the connections he was making with people like you, things he was doing. And I'm not just disparaging Tommy Bowden here. Different sure. different people, different modes of mm-hmm. operation. But you think back to Dabo, the first game, Georgia Tech, as he mm-hmm. relates it to this day, um, you know, as an assistant for years, he was on the buses coming from Anderson, and they would take this roundabout detour through the country, and they would never go through the heart of tailgates and, and experience mm-hmm. what it's like. And as he shares he went up to terry don and said we gotta go right to it and walk through the middle of it because the players need to see what this is like um Mm -hmm. you know inviting the students to practice like the first 
few weeks. He was on the job in 08 and then reaching out, feeling like, hey, man, Lucas wants to do this. Let me, I'm going to, I'm going to call him myself and say, hey, mm-hmm. come join me. At that moment, as you sort of tried to figure out, okay, is this the guy, you know, is this, is, is this, is this the one who's going to take us to the level we've been trying to reach for two decades? What was your, your feel for him at the time, just in terms of a, being a fan? Yeah, I think exactly what you just said and, and alluded to perfectly is he, he, he went at it number one by his vision and all of the coaching he'd done and, and all of the positives he'd seen at Alabama or at Clemson, all the negatives he had seen coaching and, and all of those things. And I mean, his, his notebooks are, are legendary. The, the notes he takes and the things he, he has and the, the things he has to, 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 to roll back on and look at and read and remember. And I mean, he had this plan of what, how I want this to be. And if it, if I'm not going to, do it any different way to keep my job. I'm going to do it this way because this is my vision and this is what I, what I want. And this is what my players deserve. And, and to, to bring them right through what is now, you know, turned into tiger walk and, and just see how passionate uh, the fans are and the people are for them, the kids, the players um, was a, was a stroke of stroke of genius um, just because it all of a sudden now the, the the players are 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 people they're not just and the fans are people they're not just there on saturdays they're there all the time and uh just to show the passion and to show how much it means to people and but at the same time balance that with all right we got to be students we got to have fun we got to be men we got to do all these things that embody being a, a clemson football player and and he's done that with, and, and, and masterfully. And it's so, um, it's so nice and so fun to, to, to pull, pull so hard for a guy that, that you have so much respect for and admiration for just the way he, the way he leaned into, uh, the position and the way he embraced, uh, Clemson. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's refreshing because there's so much fake in sports and there's so much PC in sports and there's so much, uh, BS to be honest with you in sports. And, and he's, he's pretty darn transparent and, and, and it's pretty impressive the way he, he handles, um, his program. So circa 2009 as Mm -hmm. tour friends of yours are like, what's, what's this guy all about? Are you, are you, are you saying, this is the dude who's going to take us back or are you saying, man, I really like this guy. He, he's, you know, just a really good person and he speaks the Clemson language, but I'm not really sure mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Like what's your position at the time or feeling? Um, kind of like what he, he said after, um, uh, uh, Charlotte, when we, um, uh, South USF got us, he said helps on the way. And, um, you could see, and again, just because of my infatuation with recruiting, you could see the roster starting to get pretty good. And that, you know, because of my following recruiting and this and that on Tiger Illustrated, you could see that the roster's getting better. 
um, getting some skill position and now we got to get the lines and, and all that stuff. But, um, it's hard to, it, it's hard to say, cause you never know as 17, 18, 19 year old kids, if they're going to turn out. But I mean, we were, you know, three, three cycles in a row with generational quarterback talent. Um, we didn't know that at the time, but, um, you know, they all hit and, but you could see the, 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 the team, the players, the coaches were all reinvigorated because of him. Um, there was a new, it was, there was some electricity around the program. There was some, the facilities were finally getting done, which, you know, Tommy got the short end of the stick with that. But, um, and you could start to see the, the culture was turning over. We started winning those close games that we weren't winning before. And, um, and we didn't take anybody lightly anymore. Everybody was, everybody was equal as an opponent. And yeah, it was, it was kind of a, uh, yeah, I was outwardly in support. I said, we got our guy and you can see it starting to turn over and, um, you could just see the culture shift. Were you in Tampa on January 9th, 2017? I was not. I was, uh, I had, uh, two small ones at the time and, uh, um, I was watching on TV and, um, they were all abruptly woken up, um, <laughs> when Hunter caught that pass. So <laughs> what's that like? What was that like? It was surreal. Um, you know, they, they'd been banging on the door for a couple of years and, um, to just finally break through. And, um, you know, I can't imagine what, well, actually, I can because you saw it with Dabo and Jeff on the sidelines. I mean, that was two dads and two coaches and two um, grown men that were out there jumping around like like boys and like 15-year-old Little League baseball or peewee football players that just, you know, won the game. And, and it was just, just elation. And you could just see the um, – you could just see how happy and proud and all of that. And I, 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 those were my emotions. I was happy and proud and, and just, just so pleased with that. You know, that's my team. That's my school. And they just slayed the beast. You, uh, we, we were texting the other night, uh, preparing for this and, and you said, Hey man, what's going on with realignment? (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Here we are. Uh, uh, with the news fresh of the ACC adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU. What is your take mm-hmm. on that, and what is your overall feeling on um, where, like, Clemson's stature moving forward, whether it's inside remaining inside the ACC or somewhere else? Uh, I have to think that adding these three today – uh, is a protective measure um, for TV because, as my understanding, if you drop below a certain number, TV can drop the drop the bottom line if people leave. Um, so I think I think everything now going forward is completely bottom line oriented and money driven um, to protect some downside. Um, I think it's time for the football schools and the football teams to 
to be with others. Um, and, uh, I think that's kind of where it's heading or so it appears. Um, I don't think we're that far away from having 60 to 65 football schools, if you will. I don't know how you even draw those parameters for that, but, and then they'll be, they'll be their own entity governed themselves. Uh, I think that's where it's headed. Uh, eventually, I don't know if, how far down the line that'll be, but that's what it looks like. And that's what it looks like they're, they're heading towards. I just don't see how, um, I don't see how universities can, can sustain, um, you know, Clemson softball flying to, to, to San Francisco to play Cal a couple times a year. I don't see how that's sustainable, um, in the long term. but, um, I don't know anything either, but, uh, about that stuff. It just doesn't seem like the right thing on paper, but as we all know, football drives the, <clears throat> drives the boat and pays for everything else. Um, but to, to, to be able to maintain what's going on now, it, something's going to have to shift pretty hard. And I think it'll eventually be a 60, 65, 70 team, four or five, leagues, conferences, divisions, whatever we want to call it. And, and, you know, we're already there with the playoff expansion. So I don't know what that holds for Clemson. I don't know. I'm not in those boardrooms, but, um, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think the dots are, are that, that difficult to, to connect at this point. I've written a lot about the importance of alignment, uh, administrative mm-hmm. alignment over the years, but particularly over the last month or so. Um, you, I think you know Jim Clements. You know Graham Neff. Um, mm-hmm. How confident are you that Clemson has the right alignment, has the the right people in place, in power, um, to assure that Clemson is going to be in in good shape moving forward, regardless? Yeah, very. I uh, I know President Clemens a little bit. I've texted some with 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 Graham. Um, it was very um, surface with Graham. I don't know him. Um, I plan to introduce myself as soon as I can get to a game this fall, but, uh, um, just with where we, where we were, where we are. And, um, I know president Clements is, he's, he's pretty cutting edge and he's on top of things. And, and, uh, I feel very confident that they're, uh, they are all on the same page. And, uh, I think, I think our future is in, in very good hands with them. Um, and I think they've, um, I think they've positioned us in a very positive, uh, place, uh, no matter where we end up as far as this realignment goes. I can't tell you how many times I hear from folks, Hey man, I'm a long time subscriber, but I just lurk. Mm-hmm. Um, what compels you to, I mean, you're not, you're not a frequent poster, but you could mm-hmm. easily, I mean, especially with the profile you have, you could easily just lurk and never post, um, what 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 compels you to to jump into that circus on the West End Zone message board from time um, to time? Different things. I think if I well recently, and and this will be a verbal thank you instead of a typed out one, but uh, I get a lot of support on there and a lot of support from from the Clemson people, and and that's just a way for me to to say my thank you um, in mass. Um, instead of trying to do it on social media or something like that, because those, you know, I, I know 
I know a lot of people on there. I just don't know who they are, which is fine, and that's the way it should be. But I, uh, I've just said my thank yous the last few months for all the support, and I appreciate it. But uh, you know, I think a lot of a lot of speculation and a lot of things get tossed around on there. And sometimes, if if I know something and and can veil it with confidence, I'll I'll say you know you know let's back up here a little bit or, um, but uh, you know. I, I, uh, I don't know. I just try to try to post on there every now and again. And, and, uh, but especially to, to say thank you to, to all the support. Lucas, I could sit here for three more hours, but I'm sure you have better <laughs> things to do. Is there anything that, that we, that I haven't asked you about? I know that, uh, coach Penley is going to be hall, inducted to the hall of fame FSU weekend. Um, yep. wanted to definitely touch on that. Are you going to be here for that? Yep, I am. I'm going to be there for that. Uh, um, <clears throat> Heidi Penley invited me. Coach didn't, but uh, you know we'll let that slide. Um, yeah, I plan to be there for Larry. He uh, he obviously was my coach, and uh, he's a good man and a good good friend, and uh, always had had my back, and uh, I'll always have his. But uh, um, yeah, I think that'll be that'll be an awesome weekend for him and, and, um, well-deserved. And, uh, I think that'll be my, my first home game of the season. And then, um, I only live about an hour from hard rock. So I'll be there for the Miami game when we come down here. And I, uh, get a lot of, um, get a lot of Clemson sports this fall. I'm pretty excited about it, but, uh, definitely excited for, for coach Penley's weekend there. And, uh, in a couple of weeks. Haven't even asked if everything's okay down there with the hurricane and all the remnants of that. Yeah, we're on the east coast, so we got some we got some of the outer bands um, the last thirty six hours or so. But uh, they got hit pretty hard over on the west coast. Uh, I got some friends over there. They they hunkered down and, and they're okay. But uh, faults faults with that coast, and I'm sure we'll get ours this <clears throat> some other time this fall, and the roles will be reversed. But uh, yeah, but all good here so far. Anything else you want to get off your chest? Larry, I think we covered it. That was awesome, man. I appreciate you having me on. Man, I I, uh, I really admire high-profile people who are humble and, and, and not too impressed with themselves. And, uh, man, you are firmly in that category. And uh, I just appreciate that and appreciate your uh, loyalty to the website and, and participation on the board and, of course, your willingness to come on here, man, and talk to a buffoon like me. So really appreciate it. Yes, sir. You got it, Larry. Thank you so much. That was great. Really, really, really enjoyed it and appreciate Lucas giving us so much of his time. Also, thanks to the support of our sponsors for helping make this happen. And, of course, thanks to every single one of you for hitting that play button. Really appreciate it.